Every time I get the urge to visit my hometown I'm sure that all my cousins will try to track me down My heart says go, my head says no, it's best to stay away But if I appear, I'm sure to hear all those jerk-offs say Hey cousin Vinny, your cousin Vinny Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. We're back to talking about old movies this week and I am happy to be joined by my friend Adam Lichtenstein to talk about My Cousin Vinny. Adam, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so My Cousin Vinny, I mean it's a fairly well-known movie so I don't need to go too much into the plot but it's actually one of the simpler plot synopsis to just straight up give where you know my cousin Vinny stars joe pesci as Vinny gambini who gets a call from his cousin bill gambini who has been wrongfully accused of murder along with his friend uh stan rothenstein ralph macchio plays bill and Vinny comes down to shoot i should know the name of that town it's a rural alabama town beach you know beach or Adam knows the Beecham movie. Beecham County. It's Beecham County. Uh, I think it's like Wazoo or something. It's Wazoo. Like that. Yeah. I mean, like, which is weird. I mean, it's a fictional town. So it's like, but like Wazoo, it just doesn't really sound like a, t- like a name you would make up for like an Alabama town. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Vinny travels down to Wazoo, Alabama with his uh, girlfriend, uh, Mona Lisa Vito, played by Marissa Tomei in an Oscar winning performance, and has to. Uh, infiltrate the legal scene in rural Alabama as a very inexperienced attorney from New York. And I thought it would be a a cool movie to revisit as I'm trying to think of interesting reasons to go back and watch movies while I'm doing these podcasts of old movies. And a lot of what I've been doing is, oh, here's that one classic movie I've never seen. Here's that one really one big movie by that actor I've never seen, like I did last week with The Wedding Singer and Adam Sandler. Here's that one classic movie by a director who I've seen most of their work, but not this one. But And I thought My Cousin Vinny would be a fun one to revisit just because I haven't seen it since I became a lawyer. And I thought, yeah, it'd be really fun to kind of revisit from that perspective and knowing what I know now about the legal system. And I actually said, Adam, when I started doing these podcasts and old movies, I and I wanted to have guests on to talk about various old movies, I don't want it to just turn into me inviting someone to talk about their favorite movie. And last week I had uh, my friend Lissa came on and uh, she talked about The Wedding Singer, which is one of her favorite comedies of all time. And I and so it's kind of turned into me just finding a movie that I haven't need a reason to watch and then inviting someone that just happens to love that movie. And that's the case here, because Adam, I think it's fair to say this is probably one of your five or ten favorite movies. And so I guess the, I guess a good starting point for me would be to ask you, uh, what do you love so much about this movie? Because it, uh, it has it does have a lot going for it. Uh, well, first to correct you, it's not it's not one of my five or ten favorite movies. It's my favorite movie of all time. Okay, I didn't want to put words in your mouth. So there, there you have it. Though. And what do I love about it? I mean, one, it's it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I still, I mean, you saw the other night. I've watched it maybe 50 times i was still laughing at the jokes mm-hmm. i was still cracking up it's also like a movie like i don't know like is it the most child-friendly movie no but like i still watched it a bunch with my parents it was like my family's movie we always watched it when it was on so family of new yorkers too so yeah family of new yorkers so that probably explains it a little bit so uh it just has been my fa- one of my favorite movies since i was a kid and i've seen it so many times i know every line to it for the most part and it's just my it's my all-time favorite movie yeah and i i think the reason that I, I really enjoyed it too in my rewatch, and I might have found a, a couple things to nitpick that I can get to about the legal system, but ultimately I was able to allow most of that to kind of fall by the wayside because this is a comedy after all. And I think the, the, the best part about it, and it wasn't like I had a whole new appreciation for a bunch of different things now that I'm a lawyer. That wasn't the case. I still laughed a lot, and I think the best part about it is that it, 
thinking about it, and, and I, I don't even know if I really thought this consciously about it as we were watching it the other night, but I think the one of the best things it has going forward is that it doesn't, I think I saw some people describe it as like a satire of the legal system or, um, or a farce, and I really don't actually think it's that. I I guess a lot of times in, when courtrooms are depicted in movies, they can be at least some aspect of it is going to be like super exaggerated. Whether it be like a judge that is like super super serious, or like the opposing attorney who is just like super super evil, or something like that, or just some other part of it gets just uh, is just wildly animated in a way that is not really reality. And I think what the smart thing about this movie is is that it has this brilliant character uh, in Vinny who just walks into what is actually a fairly normal courtroom setting and then you just get to uh you get to set him against all of that and that is enough of an absurd juxtaposition just to derive so much comedy without really having to go to extreme lengths to tell like uh really really uh ham-handed jokes or anything like that and i think that's like probably what about the movie worked most for me in that yeah i mean there's obviously plenty of funny jokes and stuff like that but i don't think it really had to like get this really ridiculous view of the legal system just to get casual moviegoers to like get the humor. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know right. what exactly we can, we can nitpick, you can nitpick, you mm-hmm. know, what exactly is right and wrong about the legal system and the, you know, trial procedure. I'll let you go ahead and do that. But yeah, like you said, it's not, nothing seems super exaggerated. Like the judge is strict, but he's not for the most part, a jerk, you know, the process. Totally, he's totally reasonable and just like, Every time he gets pissed at Vinny, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's cursing in the courtroom. He doesn't know, you know, whether to, how to, you know, do an arraignment. Just starts starts, starts talking, and the judge is like, stop talking. You seem to say guilty or not guilty. And he can't. Uh, and, I, and, and I think that was one of the big things I talked to you about after we finished watching it the other night was that, obviously, like, a lot of the comedy in this movie is derived from Vinny just not knowing what he's doing. It's a pretty hilarious scene where where... Billy and uh, Stan, yeah, or yeah, Stan. B- and Billy and Stan actually learn how little like, legal experience Vinny has, and he's having. I mean, Vinny can't really lie to them. He's not going to lie to them about it. He ends up lying to the judge about it, and that's just a kind of an ongoing little funny thing that's happening in in the background of the movie throughout the whole thing. But he's honest with them, and th- and they end up getting becoming rather horrified, and rightfully so. But I think what was uh, what was pretty interesting was that you know he the first time he gets his ass chewed out in the courtroom he has to explain to Mona Lisa what the deal is and why he looked like he didn't know what he was doing and he's explaining that to Billy too and it's just he's like look you know they don't teach you this stuff in law school I'm gonna get it and you got to learn it on the fly which maybe the first time I saw it might have seemed like you know a uh, a ridiculous thing to say that he was just talking out of his ass but you know there actually is something to that you know just because you go to law school. And like I would be, I would be, I would be as lost as he was. But I certainly wouldn't know a lot of the, about the stuff when you like show up in the courtroom. I couldn't just go defend someone in a murder trial. You know, it's uh, you're going to be out of your element to some extent. And that's something that the movie did seem to get. Not that it's like they had a legal consultant for every little aspect of this. Of course not. But it, there actually is something to that where you have to actually do it to learn it. And it's not like they could just teach you everything you have in law school. And the movie seems to at least get that. And it's weird. Certain things about this, I was able to suspend my disbelief from. Some I didn't. But you know, he really screws up a lot of stuff that's very funny, and I didn't really care about it. You know, as I think I was telling you, if I show up in a courtroom like in a for a kind of law that I've never done, I would know to wear a suit. I would know to not talk back to the judge, to not curse. And when the judge tries to walk me into the right answer, 
I would just follow the judge's lead. So, yeah, it's kind of unrealistic that a lawyer wouldn't be able to figure that stuff out. But at the same time, they executed at such a high level that I'm laughing that even me as a lawyer, I don't care about that. Yeah. So what I got from all that is, so if I got framed for murder, I couldn't turn to you to defend me? No, you'd be better off with the public defender, not the public defender in this movie. If, <laughs> if, I would pick me ahead of that guy, but I wouldn't pick, uh, I, I wouldn't pick me ahead of uh, your average public defender. I know some of them in Palm Beach County. I think you'd be okay. Hopefully, that, hopefully, hopefully it never comes to that. But, you know, I was, I was just, you know, as a lawyer, you know, this movie, maybe a less effective version of it would result in me just being, you know, like horrified of like legal inaccuracies and unrealistic stuff that this guy wouldn't know that. But Joe Pesci is a talented enough entertainer and these writers know what they're doing enough that I don't know. I just, I I just found it hilarious. And uh, cause yeah, you can get away with having that be your source of comedy, like a guy messing up obvious stuff, because if it was just a matter of like showing him as a slightly incompetent lawyer, uh, or an incompetent lawyer who's able to get the obvious stuff, but just me- messes up other like more normal things to mess up. That's probably not that funny, you know. And I, I, th- I think that that was one thing I was just pleasantly surprised that the movie was good at. I actually the next morning I watched this movie called Anatomy of a, Anatomy of a Murder. It's kind of a you know a more classic Jimmy Stewart movie from 1959 where it's a really taut courtroom drama that really is really within the courtroom and uh is a lot of a lot about the nuances of what you can object to and what you can get into evidence and how one how far one side can push it till a judge gets them to back off and it's like that kind of stuff it just works better in the context of a courtroom drama and this movie does the comedy stuff really well what did you think of this movie's depiction of the south is what the next thing i want to ask you because that was one other thing when like i was reminded oh yeah this movie like is a lot of humor comes from that because i was talking to adam's fiance kayla about it before we were going to watch it she's like oh yeah i can make Make, uh, grits and I'd like forgotten about that part of it and I was like oh man like I forgot that there was humor about that is this going to be a movie that looks down on the south and I don't really think it does that and I think there's a lesser version of this movie that does how do you think this movie does in mining that kind of humor I, I agree that yeah it doesn't it doesn't seem like a lot of the jokes are really at the expense of the south where you think they might be it's just kind of more like a fish out of water thing where it's like these two you know people from Brooklyn come down to rural Alabama and they don't really know what to expect. Like, you know, but it doesn't seem like the jokes are really all the time at the expense of the South. And really like most of the characters are not, they're not stereotypes. They're not like, you know, caricatures really. Like you were saying earlier, like the prosecutor's not just, you know, an evil Southern prosecutor out to get these Yankee boys or, you know, the cops aren't just out to get them and the judge is not to get them. The character, you know, the, the people in the movie, they're just kind of like living their lives and, you don't do either thing. They just, they just happen to live in a small town in the South. Yeah. Mona Lisa. First thing she says when they like get out of their car is, Oh, I bet this place has horrible Chinese food, which I mean, first of all, I mean, stereotypes are sometimes true for a reason. Like you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to get better Chinese food in New York than you're going to get in Alabama. I've lived in both. I've never lived in New York. I've lived in Alabama. Uh, and I, and I, and I've spent plenty of time in both States. Uh, but at the same time, like at, at first I was like, Oh, is this going to be, I, I, cause again, I hadn't seen this movie in probably 10 years. And I was like, Oh man, is this going to be a whole movie of them? Like just like talking down about the South. And believe me, as someone who's lived most of my life here, but probably like you feels like a Northerner at heart to a certain extent, or yeah. we, we both yeah. kind of, we, we both kind of have that in common. At the same time, when different parts of pop culture can poke fun at the South, I don't want to say I get defensive, but it's like, this is clearly not someone that spent a lot of time there. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, if you're going to take digs at the South, you got to do it right. And I, and, and I, and I thought maybe, oh, wow, is this movie going to do like 
a lot of that and it it really didn't and when you're looking back on it like Mona Lisa is a great character and rather likable but it's like oh well that was just her being ignorant but like you soon learn that she's a smarter character than that anyway but it's like it was a pleasant surprise to me as someone that hadn't seen the movie in a while sees that line and starts expecting one kind of humor that I don't think would have worked as well and it turns into something else like the grit scene is incredible you know yeah yeah like they become like I'm not saying they become Southerners, but they, you can t- kind of tell they get a little bit of an appreciation for the South because you go from, you know, Vinny and Mona Lisa never having grits in their life to next thing you know, Vinny's in the courtroom, like, talking about grits like he's been eating grits his whole life, you know, eating like, you know, talking about different styles of grits and how long it takes to make them. And that's another thing I really like about this movie, just to go off on a little tangent, was mm-hmm. like a lot of the jokes that there are in the beginning of the movie, they all kind of come back. They all come back. It all has a payoff, like whether it's it's the grit scene where he's learning, he eats grits for the first time and then it comes up, it comes into play in the courtroom or when they're like, you know, they're arguing with each other as foreplay and that comes back up at the end where they're kind of doing it again in the courtroom uh, and different stuff like that. Jokes they make in the beginning uh, talking about tires, getting mud in the tires and the next thing you know, they can't get out of the mud and also the climax of the movie revolves around tires like just a lot of different things, like not big stuff, just little small things that come up again and have a payoff. Yeah, and I guess also one thing I like about the first half of the movie as far as complimenting the second half of the movie is that uh, obviously, as we already discussed, Vinny is a very out of his element in the courtroom at the beginning, and it would feel uh, a little too convenient and a little too easy if – he just became like a competent lawyer out of nowhere. It's like, wow, we just saw this guy just be a total buffoon. And now all of a sudden he's like winning this court case where it looked like a murder case was totally stacked against him. And you actually see him get to do some things and like, uh, in some situations where you can tell he has like some level of street smarts, probably not to the level that Mona Lisa does, but you can kind of tell that he, uh, whether it be like him dealing with the guy in the, what you call it, uh, in the pool in the hall, bar. in the, in the pool hall, or even interacting with the guy in the, in the, in the diner. I mean, who knows? Like he could have been dumb and ignorant and come across like a northerner that would have gotten just a damn Yankee that would have gotten a not as nice of a reception from the guy that operated the diner. And they don't he doesn't carry himself like that. He's at least like, you know, open enough to the new experience just to like, you know, take it for what it is and and as you said, no one's really a character caricature in this movie. That the guy that's running the diner only has a quick scene, but he he's not like someone that's offended by their presence either. Uh, but the, the only caricature might be might be the guy from the pool hall. True, true. Yeah, and but whatever. At least at least that gives him a sh- uh, gives us a chance to see uh, Vinny operate in a mode that's uh, just a bit smarter and uh, has his wits about him more. So that it's like, okay, yeah, this guy, yeah, maybe it took him six tries to pass the bar, but like he at least he has something going on up there, and it doesn't feel as uh, un- it doesn't feel as unearned as it could when he actually turns things around. Yeah, he's definitely smart. Like, mm-hmm. there's no point in the movie where you're like, oh, this guy's an idiot. He's smart. He just doesn't know how to operate in a courtroom for the most part, or at least especially to start. Yeah, and, he, and he, he's, he's able to at least, like, I mean, BS, BS the judge, too. That's the other thing he does effectively early on. I mean, it's there's actually a legal term for it called pro hack viche when you go into a jurisdiction when you're not where you're not barred to practice to like try a case or to practice or to work on a case or something you got and you do have to get approval and i mean i don't know how strict judges are about what your resume has to be if they fudge that part of it for the movie but the fact is he was at least kind of quick on his feet lying in a smart way which is something something i'm come to uh appreciate a little more sometimes is when like characters within the movie are actually good at improv and I watched. I talked about this on my podcast a little bit last week when I talked with Alyssa about the Lovebirds and some of the stuff that bothered me more about that movie was that those two talented comedians were like put in situations where like 
they had to riff, but they were just very bad at it, but it still works out for the characters. Like, Vinny's at least able to BS his way around the judge until the very end, and that's something he's consistently good at doing. So it's like, and I like the story when he tells about when the judge first told him he should go to law school. It's like, yeah, you can kind of see that in him, you know, where he's like, yeah, this guy would have at least that the wherewithal to argue his way out of something to the point where maybe someone could see something in him. And that's evident from the very beginning of this movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, and that's still like a line I quote every time Joey Gallo comes to bat for the Texas Rangers, <laughs> I go, not Joey Gallo, Joey Callow. <laughs> that's uh, no, that's, that's, that's a, uh, yeah. And Mona Lisa obviously gets him a, gives him another uh, assist with that, uh, at the end for sure. Yeah, again, I that was that was just a big point I wanted to get across in general, though, just about its treatment of the South. I thought it was very smart, and I could have just seen a movie uh, from the past just getting that wrong really easily. And because who knows, you might not have been as sensitive to offensive portrayals of anyone, people of any uh, people of any demographic or part of, or region of the country. It just seems like something we've probably gotten better at in the last twenty eight years. And this movie, you know, at least understood how to like treat. Uh, foreigners or domestic foreigners for lack of a better term uh, as they were to uh, Vinny and Mona Lisa what did you think about just the the trial itself again you're not coming at this from the perspective of a lawyer but you're from I think it's good to have both perspectives you're you're a layman when it comes to the law Uh, obviously you're not gonna have a whole lot of bad things to say about this movie but what do you really like about how the legal case ultimately comes together in this movie Um, I like that it showed first of all like there's scenes of him in between like the arraignment and the actual trial where he's talking to all the witnesses and trying to figure out what they're talking about or like what they saw, where, you know, how they saw it all again, like I said, all that stuff kind of comes back up during his questioning. Um, like I said, I, I'm not a lawyer, so I really don't know how court courtrooms yeah. work. I've never been in a trial or anything. So I was like, that's, this is basically where I've learned how trials work. Like 75% of my legal knowledge comes from this film, which is maybe not the greatest thing, but that's just kind of like how I learned how trials work. And it's just very, all the scenes kind of, none of them run on too long. They're all, I think they're all well paced and funny and enjoyable. But like you said, I really don't have anything bad to say about this movie. Yeah. And you, there is some accuracy in how that works. And that I, at least, I, again, I'm coming at this from someone that practices civil law, but I think it's probably fairly similar in criminal law where you can talk to the witnesses and uh, get statements from them if they're willing to talk to you. Uh, sometimes you might not be able to talk to them until it comes to a deposition or actually comes to the trial. So it, it was nice to see him actually putting in the work and, get, and getting down in the weeds and, and doing that kind of stuff. And uh, again, he had to refute a few witnesses that really didn't have anything going for him, but... Uh, the car stuff is what ultimately becomes most important. So, oh, uh, I, have a, I have a question for you though. Yeah. Um, the disclosure part. Did you when he was talking about? Oh, I really want to get to see his files. I'm gonna try to finesse him to get his files. Were you sitting there like he has to give that to you? Well, see, that was like one of the few jokes from the movie that I remembered. So I remembered. I mean, it, it is kind of like. And it's it's also called the discovery process, where you would actually have to make a filing called a like a request to produce or a or an interrogatory. Inter- inter- an interrogatory, not to take the listeners to legal class here but or to civil procedure class or criminal procedure but an interrogatory is like a written thing like what, what was your version of the accident and you have to give a written answer give it back to their side a request to produce is you, you can produce any ask them to produce any documents that are relevant to anything in the case that could potentially lead to something that'd be admissible evidence so i knew so the first time i saw the movie that scene for some reason was one of the few that always stuck in my mind was like him thinking he had like really pulled off something special and then <laughs> mona lisa being like no, you did it. You got to give that to you legally. So I have a question, another question yeah. in the same vein. Yeah. So say say it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Say he doesn't get the files, he doesn't ask or anything, he doesn't get them. 
and they go through the trial and, and Ralph Macchio and Stan, who's uh, the actor, I can't Mitchell Whitfield, mm-hmm. um, say they get convicted and they're sentenced or whatever. Could they go back and say like with a proper lawyer and say our lawyer did not know, did not just get anything disclosed, didn't know what he was doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, that's that, that's like a that's a thing that definitely happens. Where it's like you know a motion for uh, a, a motion for a reconsideration or of a of a verdict or a motion for a new new hearing just based on ineffective assistance of counsel. It's basically what I mean. It felt like they've. It feels like they've gone back and forth like ten times on whether or not uh, Adnan Syed was actually getting a new trial. You know, from mm-hmm. the serial podcast. But yeah. that was like largely his argument. I believe at one point was just that like my my lawyer didn't call up like one of the main witnesses, so it can. Be yeah, the, the, one, one, the one who said that the one who like apparently had his alibi right so it's like it can just be one witness but like having a lawyer that doesn't know discovery like you could you could get a you could probably get a new trial off like he had just never done that at all which is i hadn't even really considered that before but it, it was i kind of knew it was coming just that scene it's i mean it's kind of called discovery but also disclo- i guess the discovery in and of itself is disclosures so i was like it, that didn't catch me off guard on this viewing. And the first time I watched it was before I went to law school where I actually would have known that. So I never really had the uh, the experience of watching this movie, knowing what Discovery is, and then having him be all – he, he thinks he has to be all um, – he, he thinks it's basically just like a, in a spy movie. Or like his, a, ver- his version of finessing is like, I really like to get a, really like to get a look at your files. And the, the prosecutor's like, okay. And and I and again, I, I, that is something I did want to talk about again. I, I kind of mentioned how they didn't make a far side of the legal system, like I think the movie is described in, in a couple of the reviews I've read. And I just, I, I really kind of appreciate that because it is, it's funny enough, just like having someone go into the process thinking that that is the kind of lawyer they're going to be going up against, and instead it's like someone that's playing it, you know, totally straightforward and. What's funny is that like there probably are there are probably a few ridiculous prosecutors out there that might just dig their heels in. But I was you know like I said I was watching this movie Anatomy of a Murder, a, a drama from the late fifties where you know at the end like the the prosecutor like pulls like a very below the belt move when it becomes apparent that the case isn't going in their direction. Whereas here the prosecutor is like yeah I'm just not going to press charges, yeah, which is like it's, it's, it's like it's like. It feels like nine out of ten comedies, you know, you're going to get like a villainous guy that's going to be like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get my way and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And it, it's actually like a realistic way for it just to end and like a very reasonable thing. And the movie has enough going for it that you don't need to like have like an animated villain like that. And that, I think it's one of the more interesting parts about this movie is that it's like a movie without any kind of real bad guy or antagonist when you think about it, you know? The villain is just – the villain in the movie is the fact that like the fact that they're innocent – yeah, the the villain in the like the the villain or the conflict is largely like Vinny's incompetence for like much of the movie. That's where the that's where the conflict even is, you know. And I hadn't even really thought about it till just now. But it's like a lot of comedies, even they they might have a bad guy, even if it's like a romantic comedy. There's the there's the other evil love interest, or there's something like that, you know. Like all kinds of comedies, like often have like someone that's kind of bad. I mean, and and this just didn't really have that, which I think is I think is just kind of cool. And I, I that that was one thing I just kind of respected more about the movie than anything was that like that that process prosecutor who uh he's a real he's a real like uh that guy actor lane smith he's done a lot of stuff like another that guy james redhorn who's in like everything yeah yeah that guy's been in a bunch of stuff i think well he he also passed away at some point in the last 10 years i think yeah he's uh, yeah or 2014 uh but yeah that guy that guy did a ton of stuff uh but Lane, lane smith lane smith also he passed away in 2005 but yeah like just uh 
very, very uh, straightforward performance that I just respected in the context of like what I expected of this movie. Because I that was something I, I always remembered the discovery scene or where he's like, yeah, sure, I'll give you my files. But I always thought that like it was him doing something like way more sinister. Maybe I thought that Vinny being with him in the first place was part of some other grander scheme on the part of him, but he's just being a, a friendly Southerner hospitality, yeah. like want to go that hunting guy. or anything. Yeah. I, I for, in my head, I always remembered that scene. Like I just always, I guess, cause I remember getting such a kick out of it the first time I watched it, him getting the files, but I always thought like, Oh, well the evil guy just followed the rules. That was what that scene was in my head. It was like, yeah, this guy's evil for the whole movie, but like he doesn't not follow the rules of like civil or of, of criminal procedure. Like he's going to follow the rules and not do anything that blatantly illegal but no he's just like a generally nice guy that's based on the facts as they were given to him then yeah it would be it would seem to be uh he he should think he has an open and shut case and he should be a little he could have he would have been even within his right to be a little more cocky than he actually was yeah Um, the biggest the biggest jerk move i think anyone really pulls in the movie any of the you know main or or side characters really pull is like when the prosecutor calls in the automotive export james redhorn and is like, I'll disclose it in the morning, like calling him at night. So I'll disclose it in the morning. And then the judge, Vinny, like gives an objection. And is like, we don't know what the hell this guy is going to say. What do you, you know, if he's even an expert, we don't know anything about this guy. Like we object to this witness. And the judge is like, too bad. Yeah. And that's a nitpick with the movie. And it's funny, Anatomy of a Murder, which I would recommend to the listeners. I'll probably talk about it a little more at the end of the podcast when we do our recommendations. But uh, that like, it's one of my pet peeves is that surprise witnesses are not a thing. They just they just aren't like that is a thing you have to do like in real life you would be fucked if you just didn't disclose a witness an an expert witness and you can sometimes like disclose an expert witness after the deadline to do so and like file a motion with the court being like hey the the, there's still plenty of time before the trial for the for the other side to take his deposition so he's not going to be prejudiced if you allow this but we're going to be greatly prejudiced if we can't have an expert and then the court will probably let you do it but as far as like disclosing an expert when you're already like halfway through trial like that's something that would just like never happen so that's like my pet peeve but it's for some reason it was funny like it bothered me less that it, it should bother because like, the the scene where uh marissa tomei as mona lisa like gets called as an expert herself it's what won her the oscar like it's a great scene oh it's incredible and but at the same time like that bothered me less than him letting the original expert in because uh like because I was just like, wow, like, yeah, this guy, there, there wasn't even anything below the belt in having him as an expert. It was just doing it as the last second thing. And the judge letting that happen bothered me more than the judges letting this random woman be the expert. Because at that <laughs> point, he kind of had to let the other side have an expert because he'd already done it. He'd already let the other one in too late. So it didn't really bother me as but unrealistic as it was. My, my nitpick about that scene is a scene that I love is that all of a sudden we're like just just out of nowhere like it's established earlier in the movie that like okay Marissa Tomei knows everything about cars like it's literally said she knows everything about cars but like why does the prosecutor also know everything about cars like he just comes up with like a a trick question about an obscure I guess this movie's supposed to, I don't the movie's supposed to take place in like I guess probably around 1990ish came out in 92 no stuff about like um, 68 car Buicks and stuff yeah like yeah they're talking about like six cars that came out in the 60s but then like the prosecutor asks a like a comes up on the spot with a trick question about like a 55 you know Chevy Bel Air like with all these things and like just comes up with that on the spot that even in my favorite movie, that's maybe my biggest nitpick are we suppo- well that, that my question for you then is are, are we supposed to think he knows the answer to that question I think so. I think okay, he knows okay. it's a trick question because like, he's like, I'm going to voir dire the witness and ask this you know, really obscure question. And when she's like, that's bullshit, that's not a real thing, he's like, yeah, you're right. Okay, she's good. 
Oh, okay. I, I mean, I didn't know if it was like she stumped him and he didn't actually know where he was going with it. But that, that, that I mean, that is a good enough point. But like, he could also like kind of verify it against uh, his expert because James Reborn eventually has to be like, yeah, I can't really disagree with anything that was just yeah. said. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, and it's just it's a little nitpick, but I no, guess now yeah. we found between the potential disclosure problem or discovery <laughs> problem and also um, having a surprise witness, we now found two reasons this trial could have been thrown out on appeal. Yeah, I mean, so, but, like, again, I still, like, really, really enjoyed the movie, and that kind of stuff almost bothers me less than it happening in a, in a more serious courtroom drama, because, you know, it's, it's the, you're, you're there for the laughs first and foremost, and it is a great scene, and, like, even if it is, in what, the, what the, they have in Florida, what are called Dalbert motions, I don't, I think they're called different things in different states, a Dalbert motion being, like, something that you file to show that an expert is not, uh, is not actually, proper uh to op- it's not proper to have a particular expert opine on a particular matter in a case and their their opinion should be thrown out is what it's called so in a real trial like they would just dalbert the shit out of her because they would just be like oh well she's not actually qualified to talk about any of this and yeah she might actually know this stuff but like you need to have like certifications and some kind of background as a witness and you couldn't just bring in someone off the street so Yes, while that part of it is maybe unrealistic, they had to, like, set up the proper foundation to, like, actually show, you know, and so, yeah, as ridiculous as getting that hypothetical is, like, you would, in in theory, you would need to, like, establish they have some kind of credential, so it it mechanically goes through the right steps, as unrealistic as it is, so I appreciated that they at least, like, took the time to do that with, with, with her before they had her have that iconic scene, which in theory would never happen in real life, like, at least they, you could kind of legally set it up, uh, properly even if it as crazy as it actually is but yeah i think that's uh, are there any, is there any other, anything else about the movie we didn't quite talk to any other uh, uh any other parts of the movie that really stick out in your mind oh i you know one thing i really appreciated was the was the was the as far as ongoing jokes was the noise thing uh mm-hmm. i don't know if you have any thoughts on that because you're a kid that's lived most of your life in the suburbs and uh like i have and uh i don't really know what it's like to like live in a new york city and have like sound like that outside my window all the time but i kind of I, it was one part of this movie where i think i might have remembered some of that train stuff but as far as I, I, the first time I watched it, I don't think I could fully appreciate the irony of the person from New York not being able to find peace and quiet when they're sleeping. And I thought that was like kind of a smart, but not over the top, not like, not like, uh, they, they didn't, they didn't explain the joke fully as far as how ironic it actually was. And they kind of let it persist throughout the movie in a way I appreciated. Oh yeah. No, that joke didn't actually fully click to, even though I've seen it a million times, didn't click with me until you said that, <laughs> said that when we were watching it. Like I always just thought, okay, it's funny. Like he hasn't been able to sleep at all because everything's interrupting him. And now he's then just he so sleeps tired. in the jail. He sleeps through, he just, you know, sleeps through a prison riot in jail. Um, but when you, you said like, oh, it's like he's in New York with all the loud noises and sirens. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's funny. Yeah. And I, I, I just hadn't picked up on that the last time. So I just thought that was like a, a funny, uh, cool running joke that they did have. Uh, I don't know if there's any, is there anything, is there anything else about the movie that we didn't touch on that you wanted to, you want to talk about? Do you have any other thoughts on any of the, 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 either those lead performances or any of the other, that guys that show up, anything else? Um, a couple things. Yeah. One, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now and apparently Merrick Garland cited the movie in a 2019 decision saying in 1992, Vincent Gambini taught a masterclass in cross-examination, uh, and quoted from a cross-examination scene in the film. Uh, and also, there's also an album that came out six years later called Vincent LaGuardia Gambini Sings Just For You, huh. featuring the song Yo Cousin Vinny, which, you know, it's Joe Pesci. 
Hmm. Yeah, you, you, you don't have to comment on this, but I'll just say it would have been nice to have someone with that kind of humor writing for our Supreme Court as opposed to the D.C. Court of Appeals. Uh, yeah, nice, wouldn't it? Uh, but yeah, so that, that that's kind of that's pretty funny. I mean, I I, I always uh, I, I obviously feel always feel bad for Merrick Garland, but it's also nice to know that he has a good sense of humor. Also, um, Joe, Joe Pesci has put out three albums. One, Little Joe Sure Can Sing in 1968. Two, 60, Vincent you McGuardia, said 1968. According to Wikipedia, two Vincent LaGuardia Gambini sings "Just for You," nineteen ninety-eight, and then Pesci still singing twenty nineteen. What? What it says? What twenty nineteen? I mean, that's it's, wild because when, when he was in The Irishman last year, like that was the first time he'd acted in like this, like the second time he'd acted in this century, basically. He was busy working on an album. Yeah, it's insane. Like he had two movies in the like appeared twice in uh, appeared twice in movies in the 21st century, and then uh, did an album. I had no idea. That is. Well, let me see if it's on if it's on Spotify though. I mean, like he's he's 77 years old now, and he just like apparently likes to golf all the time. And they had to beg him to do The Irishman, and he's still such a good actor. He just went in there and got nominated for an Oscar. It's on Spotify. <laughs> it's on Spotify. And one of the songs is My Sharia Moore featuring Adam Levine, hmm. I don't which know, is incredible. Maybe I will actually, I mean, you know, some, it's a little bit of a pain to do it sometimes, but, you know, sometimes I will go and, you know, go, go buy a song and kind of drop a, a few seconds of it in as the intro to the pod as opposed to the normal jingle. And I was thinking, oh, this, I won't have to bother doing it for this one, but maybe now I'll go investigate the, the, the tunes of Joe Pesci and see if I want to actually buy one of his songs on Apple Podcasts or on, on iTunes. You can you can listen to Vincent LaGuardia Gambini sings "Just for You" and the 2019 album on Spotify. You can also listen to the song "Yo Cousin Vinny" in English, Italian, or Spanish. I'm probably gonna have to go buy that on iTunes and p- drop it in the beginning of the pod. That that would be too perfect. Actually, I've never heard it though, so neither uh, have I. Oh, okay. I interesting though. Um, yeah. So sorry. Can I, on, before we before we go, can I just re- I'm sorry. Can I just read the songs off of this Vincent yes, LaGuardia go Gambini for it, album? Go for it. Go for it. Track one, Yo Cousin Vinny. Wise guy, take your love and shove it. I've got news for you. How do you like me so far? Robin, or no, Robbie Hood, not Robin Hood, Robbie Hood. 21, old man time, he'll have to go. I can't give you anything but love. If it doesn't snow on Christmas, a cover, I assume, of What a Wonderful World. And then Yo Cousin Vinny in Italian and Spanish. <laughs> so they released this with the movie, I guess, kind of? No, it came out six years later. Oh, oh! I forgot you said ninety-eight. That's, that's came out that's ninety-eight. So, that's so weird. I guess when you're Joe Pesci, you can have hobbies and you can have people that will indulge you in doing them. Um, it's incredible. I got something, or I forgot. Oh, that that was funny. I got something for you. Um, yeah, the the I did like the. It got some good humor in there, just with his uh, with his accent too. The the two Utes. Like two I, Utes. I, I, I just I just cracked up. And it's like again, it, just putting him in that fish out of water setting. Like they don't even have to like tell a full joke. They can just have something like that, and that would crack me up. Uh, Unfortunately, all, our, all music gave the Joe Pesci album one star out of five. The My Cousin Vinny album. Oh, I, th- I think he's probably still doing okay. Uh, <laughs> a- a- any final thoughts on My Cousin Vinny, Adam? No, it's just a phenomenal movie. I love it to death. I could. I was joking with you the other day. I could just do the movie, like recite yeah. it word for word. I was very. I had to restrain myself and stop not quote the whole movie while we were watching it. I just. I love the movie so much. So, go watch it if you haven't already. Yeah. Do you have any other? Uh, uh, I, I, and I, again, I, I agree. Uh, the just. 
if you're, again, we're talking about some movies that are serious, some that are feel good. This falls into the latter category, I'd say. And if you're just feeling like watching something that's going to make you laugh, that's a good thing you can choose nowadays. And it's really funny. And if you happen to be one of my lawyer friends that's listening to this, I think there's plenty of stuff to enjoy. That, and you're not going to get too hung up on any of the, 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 the stuff that's actually not all that legal that they might happen within the legal proceedings of the movie. There's so much else going for it that that's not really going to bother you all that much. So I recommend watching it. Adam, before we leave, anything else you're watching right now you want to recommend? to the people that for some uh streaming quarantine recommendations um i recommend my favorite cooking show cutthroat kitchen which i think is superior to every other cooking show because it's just the competitors are not just competing to make the best food they're like directly competing with each other and trying to sabotage each other and can actually like you know influence somebody else's cooking so it's like actually a sport it's almost like a sport like if every other cooking show was like a race where you're just trying to run your best race this show is like you're actively competing with the other cooks or chefs i should say so that i've probably watched i've watched like probably 20 episodes in the past couple weeks (laughs) as opposed to you know watching like important capital t capital v tv uh like like the crown which i'm halfway through oh i i didn't realize you i I think i did know you hadn't watched the crown but i think you'll enjoy it whenever you actually keep going through it because the crown i do like it yeah i do really like it but But i can only watch it so like so much of it especially when there's cutthroat kitchen to be watched exactly exactly (laughs) Uh, what was the what was the cooking show i watched with you guys at some point in the last couple months that was uh nailed it nailed it with the people that aren't actually good at cooking it's nailed it okay yeah so that's a netflix thing too right yeah. Yeah, Netflix seems to they've been doing pretty good with all the food programming, I suppose. I, I I though it's never like been something I dive into. It's certainly like another it's it seems like a really good distraction option in these times, for sure. Absolutely. Uh as far as my recommendations, I already talked about Anatomy of a Murder. Again, if you're like in for like just a really, really good uh courtroom drama that just is really just builds a lot of suspense just on interactions between two three lawyers and a judge, basically, uh I highly recommend it, even if maybe there's a few there's a few legal things to pick with it too it's still really good and it's a really good uh jimmy stewart performance as are some of the supporting performances as well for something a little lighter i would recommend season two of rammy on hulu uh which i just i I just i just pushed on adam the other day but you know uh it's only it's only just second season just dropped so you're not you're not it, it dropped all at once on hulu so there's 20 episodes out there to watch but i mean just really good and for me just like a a white jewish kid to be that into a show about a a muslim an egyptian muslim guy that grew up in new jersey who's just trying to find his way in the world it shows you how like it can have broad appeal even through a lot of specificity to this one unique type of american experience and uh really hilarious but also very moving at times so i would also recommend that uh adam anything else you want to plug your twitter or anything else where people can follow you or anything like that uh, one other thing I want to mention, I forgot to mention it yes. a second ago, that I'm not watching but reading. I've been reading the Game of Thrones series for about a year now, mm. or I should say A Song of Ice and Fire. I'm almost done with it, almost done with what's been released. It's a long, it's a lot of reading. It's like, I think, close to like 6,000 pages of text, which is a lot, but it's quite good. Even if you've already watched the show, even if the end of the show you didn't like it, which a lot, of, which I did not either, uh, it's still very enjoyable. There's still a lot, a lot of material in the books that's not in the show and it's just a lot of oh, it's, a, it's a really engrossing read uh and then as far as things i want to plug you can follow me on twitter at ab lichtenstein still bringing us some covid19 coverage for people that want to go see you for not really and stuff? Oh, okay not back really. to sports <laughs> yeah okay well again nothing wrong with that because if you feel like i mean not that there's a lot of sports being played but adam is finding uh unique angles to write stories on in this time without sports that are going on without sports actually being played so if you're just looking for a different kind of story from your straight up 
really terrible things that are going on in the world right now, check out Adam's Twitter feed and follow his work at the South Florida Sun Sentinel. As usual, I'm Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, podcast Twitter is Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast Gmail is the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com. You can send us any feedback there and recommend any other uh, movies that you want to watch. Coming up next week, I'm not sure what we're going to have yet. We uh, might go back and revisit some more Bond movies or we might go and just do another different old movie. I'm not sure yet because I got to get my scheduling act together but we'll have something again for you next week before then we're gonna have a couple new movies after that with uh king of staten island and uh defy floods the new spike Lee movie so uh, a lot to look forward to in the next few weeks so everyone thanks for listening thanks to adam for joining me and we'll see you next time